Good morning. Thank you for tuning in today, clicking on whatever you clicked on, your, your phone or your iPad or you're casting it on your TV or watching us online. Thank you for joining us today. And just do this for me right now. Turn to the person, if someone there with you, and tell them that they look marvelous today. Now, I know some of you are thinking well, I, they don't because they're still in their PJs and their house shoes and haven't done their hair yet. It doesn't matter. Tell them how good they look today. If this is your first time in joining us online, then let me encourage you with something real quick. We would love uh, to begin that relationship as best we can right now with you to get to know you and to possibly be a blessing to you. So if this is your first time watching or listening today or later on, your first time to join an online service with us here at Faith Baptist Church. Do me a favor in your, with your phone, uh, put the number 68878 where you would put somebody's name in to text to 68878 and then put the text the word or put the word uh, guest in there. And if you'll do that and then click send, uh, it'll come to us and, and fill out some information and then we can follow up with you and begin to get to know you a little bit so that when this whole quarantine thing that we're all over, we're so over this, I understand it. We miss you. Uh, we miss being together. Uh, but at least we can take that step now if this is your first time of getting to know you. And then when we get back together, uh, we'll, we'll already have that head start on that relationship. Folks, we know these are difficult times we're living in, and there are many needs. You saw the announcement with uh, Josh and Duff. Uh, we're just real passionate about seeing a need and meeting a need. Uh, so look around you. They're around me. They're around you. If you see a need, just meet the need. And if you can't meet the need, please contact us here at the church and, and we'll do what we can uh, to be a blessing to someone. But if you see it and you can meet it, we encourage you to do that. But if not, let us know, please. Have you ever had one of those days? You know, those days, not that day, not the other day, one of those days. It, it just seems like on those days, everything goes wrong. Seems like everything we attempt, we fail at. It seems like on those days, we just mess everything up. Raise your hand. Go ahead. Let everybody see it. If you've ever had one of those days, raise your hand. Maybe you're going through it right now with the job loss or a financial hardship. It just seems like those days are adding up right now. Maybe it's a, a situation where uh, things hadn't Hadn't gone as you planned. I, I've had those. This, the time we're living in is certainly one of those. I don't think this was on any of our radar. But we just have those days where we feel like a failure. Every one of us goes through those times in our life. But please know that you're not alone. <laughs> and failure is not final unless we allow it to be. Failure is not final unless we allow it to be. Title of this morning's sermon is God's mercy and our failures. We're going through this mercy series on Sunday mornings, just really examining this, this thing called mercy that God showers on us all the time, every minute of every day of every week of every month, he showers his mercy on us. And because we are an imperfect people and we live in an imperfect world, we all experience failures in life. I could stand here today and I could, I could list out my failures for you in life. And, and it would carry us probably till your lunch was cold or longer. I'm not going to, but I'm just telling you that, that I could do that because we all fail in life. We, we, I have messed up. You have messed up. We have sinned. I have sinned. Uh, we, we 
come up short at times. That's life. The night that, that Jesus was arrested, uh, there was two huge, massive failures that happened on the part of two of his disciples, those that knew him best. And one was Judas, who had the betrayal or the, the failure of betrayal. And the other was Peter, who had the failure of denial. And I, and I want you to know this. These failures are actually the exact same sin. They both denied Christ. They just expressed it differently. Judas rejected the mercy of God and the guilt so overcame him that he went out and he, he hung himself. Peter accepted the mercy of God and later went on to be greatly used by God. Both uh, committed these failures against God, against Jesus, against the son of God. But one, the response that they had to God's mercy resulted in different results for them or brought different results in their life. So as we continue this study, I want to go back to the definition we've been using on the mercy of God. And that is this mercy is undeserved forgiveness and unearned kindness, undeserved forgiveness and unearned kindness. And what I want to do this morning is take a look again at God's mercy and our failures. I think we can all acknowledge, say yes, if you agree, we all have failed. All right. God's undeserved forgiveness and undeserved kindness. What does that look like when we fail and we respond correctly to God's mercy in our lives? I want us to learn some lessons from Peter's life today because he's the one that responded well to it, to God's mercy. Peter had this massive failure. And what did that do in Peter's life? So turn with me to Matthew chapter 26 this morning. Matthew chapter 26. As you're turning there, I want to address three questions tonight. I mean, today in this sermon. First one is what causes these personal failures in our lives? Second one, and it's a combined question. What did Peter do wrong? And what did Peter do right when it came to this failure? And then how does Jesus respond to our failures? So I want to, I want to address those three questions this morning, but I need to build the case to get to where I want to get. And that is how does Jesus respond to our failures? See, the reason that we fail, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick out three huge reasons why I fell in life and why you fell in life, why Peter failed that night. Uh, and let's look at those and see if they're, they're evident in our life. One is we trust our own strength. We fail in life because we trust our own strength. When we think we're stronger than we are, when we think that that, that could never happen to us, then that is setting ourselves up for failure. We think we can handle more and we think we can handle that temptation or we think we can be in that situation and, and not fail God. When we think that, that always leads to sin in our lives. Now, the night that we're going to go to when Peter had this massive failure is the night that, that Jesus had sat with his disciples. They observed the Passover. Uh, he had challenged the 12 disciples and then they went into the garden of Gethsemane, right? It leads to the cross. It leads to the, the Jesus dying for our sins. So uh, just going there, Matthew chapter 26 and verse 31, the word of God says, then Jesus said to them, all of you speaking to the 12 disciples, all of you will be made to stumble because of me this night for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. Now stop right there. Jesus tells the 12 disciples what's going to happen that night to them. He tells them that 
Because of what's going to happen, they're all going to fail that night. They're going to be scattered that night. They've been together for three and a half years. But after this night, they're going to be scattered for a while. And then look at verse 32. Jesus goes on and says, but after I have been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. But here's what I want us to see concerning Peter. Look at 33. Peter answered and said to him, even if all are made to stumble because of you, I will never be made to stumble. Now, can you hear, can you see the confidence? Can you feel the confidence in Peter? Peter was bold. He was. Uh, Peter was a fighter. Peter was loud. And, and he says, look, Lord, even if everyone else is caused to stumble tonight, I will not. I will not stumble. I believe that Peter believed he would not do that. I believe that he believed that. But look at verse 34. Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you that this night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Now, Jesus sounds confident. Assuredly, Peter, I'm telling you, this is for sure. This is truth. Jesus is confident here. But Peter's confident too. And look at verse 35. Peter said to him, Even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And so said all the disciples. Now, I think sometimes Peter gets a bum rap here because <laughs> we, we single Peter out that Peter's the one that, that voiced it. Peter said, Lord, I'll, I'll die for you tonight before I'll deny you. And we, we single out Peter. But the last part of that verse 35 says, and so said all the disciples. Every one of the disciples said, we will not stumble because of what's going to happen tonight. We will never leave you, Lord. We won't deny you. We will stand for you. We'll fight for you. All the disciples said that to Jesus tonight. I mean, that, that night. But let's learn from Peter this morning. Because he says, I will never deny you. What Peter did there is he overestimated his own strength. He, he believed in himself too much. As a matter of fact, the word of God tells us in 1 Corinthians 10, 12, Therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he falls. See, that's the word of God warning you and warning me that when we overestimate our strength, when we stand before God and say, God, in this situation, I'll never fail you. I'll never give in to that temptation. I'll never sin against you in that area, God. You need to take heed. I need to take heed lest we fall. The Bible says one of the reasons we fail so many times in our lives is because we think we're stronger than we really are. So we don't need to be naive. Don't be self-confident, right? None of us are exempt. Let me tell you something. Given the right situation, any one of us, you or me, given the right situ situation, will sin against God. The Bible says that the heart is deceitful, so we need to stop kidding ourselves. So never presume that, that, that you know where temptation is coming from or that you're stronger than any temptation that could come into your life. Because that's what happened to Peter. The Lord said, you will deny me. And Peter said, no, I won't. He believed he was stronger than he actually was. Have you been there? I have. I've been there in my life where I thought that that's not even tempting to me or, or I'll never let the Lord down. I'm struggling in this area, no doubt about it, but I'll never fail the Lord over here. I'll never fail in this aspect of life. And then the next thing I knew, whether it's a week or a month or six months down the road, I had done that exact same thing. I'd failed. I'd sinned against God in that area because I was relying on my own strength. 
The second reason Peter failed, and the second reason we failed too, is because we fear the disapproval of others. You may not realize it, but this causes so many problems in our lives, a lot of times more than anything else. Every time we make a decision based on what other people think, we are sowing the seeds for failure in our lives. It may not come right then, but we're sowing the seed of failure in our lives. See, truth is most of us like to be liked. That's just the truth. That is how we're wired. We like to be liked. We want, seek, and need the approval of others. The problem is when we worry about what other people think, we worry about their disapproval more than we are concerned about God's approval. It always leads to sin or failure in our life. You go along to get along. You please people instead of pleasing God. We become people pleasers instead of God pleasers. However we want to word it. What this does is it makes cowards of us all. Look at verse 58. Skip down all the way to 58. But Peter followed him at a distance to the high priest's courtyard, and he went in and sat with his servants to see the end. Now, I skipped a lot there just for the sake of time. So Jesus has gone. He's told them, you will all deny me. You'll be scattered tonight. They all said, no, we won't. They go, he goes in the garden of Gethsemane. He prays. They come. They arrest Jesus. Peter stands up for him at that time, draws a sword, cuts off the ear. Jesus heals the man and says, not, not this time. That's not how this is going to go. So then they take Jesus and all the disciples at that time are scattered. But Peter's following Jesus at a distance now. He wants to see what's going to happen. He wants to see the end. So Peter's following at a distance so he can see. Then look at verse 69. Now Peter sat outside the courtyard and a servant girl came to him saying, you also were with Jesus of Galilee, but he denied it before them all saying, I do not know what you are saying. Now think about this with me. Peter just spent through over three years with Jesus. He walked with him. He talked with him. He had a relationship with him. Those 12 were, were closer to Jesus than anyone else on earth. They knew him. He lived with him. And yet still, when it came time to take a stand for him, he denied Jesus. He failed that night. And he does this because he's worried about what everybody else is going to think at that time. He doesn't want to be identified with Christ at that time. He doesn't want to be identified as a disciple of Jesus as he's watching his, his master from a distance. He's more worried about what everyone else will think than what God thinks of him at this time. How many times have you and I done the same thing? We fell because we're too worried about what everybody else will think. How many times have we had the, the opportunity to share our faith, to share that we believe Jesus Christ is the son of God, that he's the only way to get to heaven. He's the only way to have a relationship with God, the father. Jesus is the, the way, the truth and life. How many times have we had the opportunity to do that? And we didn't for fear of what other people will think. It actually happens to us all the time. Maybe it's not sharing our faith. Maybe it's just saying no to sin. Maybe it's, it's, maybe it's being who God's called us to be. And then we're worried about what our family, what our spouse, what our kids, what our parents will think. And that begins to influence our relationship with God. We stumble in this area. We fail so many times, just like Peter did. 
And before we go on, let me ask you this. Personally, are you following Jesus at a distance? You say, I want to be a follower of Jesus. I want to be his disciple. I want to be close to him. I want to have a strong relationship with God. How close are you following him? Are you like Peter that night? Following Jesus at a distance? Let's go back to January this year. Did you set some goals? Did you establish some, some things that you wanted to do better this year so you were closer to God this year, so you were uh, not failing him so much, so you weren't sinning against him so much? And, and now we're looking at, you know, towards the end of April of 2020, and we look back and say, man, I have, I have not taken the steps. I've not hit those goals. I've not where I wanted to be in January with God today. And a lot of it's because I let what other people think about me be more important than what God thinks about me. Are you following Jesus at a distance today? The Bible says this in Proverbs 29, 25, the fear of man brings a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. Peter trusted his own strength and it led to this, this massive failure. And Peter that night worried more about what others would think of him and who he was and that led to this massive failure. And it does in our lives too, folks. Can you, can you see the one in your life today? But the third thing I see in Peter's life that led to this, this failure and that we tend to struggle with too is this. We say things we don't mean. Now, this may be the most common cause of failure in our lives. The Bible covers what we say and how we talk and our speech and, and how we need to control the tongue over and over and over again. We put our mouth in motion before we put our mind in gear. We speak impulsively and speak rashly and we speak with haste and we speak thoughtlessly at times. And every time we do that, it leads to a failure in our lives. We don't pause to consider the damage that we're, what we're going to say may cause, what it's going to do to, to people's lives. The true reason is this. We don't speak spiritually. We don't think spiritually. We think and speak emotionally. It's a huge difference. We think emotionally and it comes out in what we say. We don't ask, Lord, what do you want me to say right here, right now? Holy Spirit, how do I respond here? Do I even respond at all? And if I do respond, what's the right way, the correct way, and the right timing of what to say right here. So we don't do that. We just say what we want to say. We, we blurt it out. We let it go. See, Peter did this. Look at verse 71. And when he had gone out to the gateway, another girl saw him and said to those who were there, this fellow also was with Jesus of Nazareth. But again, he denied it with an oath. I do not know the man. And a little later, those who stood by came up and said to Peter, surely you also are one of them for your speech betrays you. Then he began to curse and swear saying, I do not know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed. Yeah, I remember in Fort Worth uh, when we were living there, I was a student pastor and Jill and I uh, were serving in the, the youth ministry and the student ministry. And one of her brothers, she has three older brothers. One of her brothers and his wife uh, helped us in the student ministry and they were tremendous help. And they were probably our best friends at that time. 
They lived a couple of blocks from us. We went to church together. We served in the student ministry together. We went to camp. You know, we just did everything together. That's what we did. And they came in one night to the student ministry on a Sunday night. And I said something without thinking. I said something that embarrassed them. And I said something that I shouldn't have said. And we went on with the night and, and I didn't really pick on, up on it because I'm a moron. And, but the next day he called me, my brother-in-law called me and he told me how much what I had said had hurt them. And that's all they'd been able to think about. And, and they were crushed by what I said and, and that they were going to be pulling out of helping us in the student ministry because they just didn't trust me anymore. And I can tell you that that absolutely crushed me. He was, he was my best friend at that time. He and his wife were Jill and I, we were, we did everything together and it hurt our relationship. I, I told him I was sorry. I, I, I told him that, that I was <laughs> stupid and dumb and that I shouldn't have said it. I asked him to forgive me. We hung up off the phone because he had called me. Uh, I actually cried over this. I remember that night. Well, I had failed and we lost them as friends for a while. Now, eventually uh, the relationship was able to be healed. But what I said did not, did not only hurt them and affect them. It hurt me and it hurt my wife. She was innocent. Jill had nothing to do. It was her loudmouth husband that had flown off the handle, but it affected her too. And it affected my brother and sister-in-law. We're good now. <laughs> but at the time, it really hurt our relationship because I failed because I didn't watch what I said. But here's what I want you to know. Write this down. Failure does not have to determine who we are. Failure does not have to determine who we are. We all fail, but it should not and does not have to be who we are. You say, I am a failure. That's not really a true statement. It's not a good identity mark, right? I, I am a believer in Christ. I've accepted Christ as my savior. I'm a disciple of Jesus. I'm pursuing him. Uh, I'm trying to be like him. That's who I am. And at times this disciple, this follower of Christ, this son of God sometimes fails. That happens. Failure does not have to determine who we are. Peter failed and I fail and you fail. But God's mercy can and will overcome our failures. So looking at how Peter failed that night, we see it. And I don't know about you, but I can see those things in my life. But what did Peter do? How did he respond? Well, that's the things he did wrong. We've covered. What did he do right? How did he respond in a right way? which will help us too. Well, the first thing I see in our text is this. Peter grieved. He grieved. Peter did not minimize the failure. He did not pretend it didn't happen. He did not try and justify it. He didn't try to rationalize it. He didn't try to make excuses for his failure. Peter owned his failure and he grieved over it. So get this principle that I'm about to tell you. To get past the failure... You have to go through it to get past the failures in our lives. We have to go through them. We can't go around them. Can't go over them. Can't go under them. <laughs> can't pretend they're not there. Can't ignore it. The only way to get past failure 
is to learn from it. And the only way we learn from it and grow past it is to grieve that failure. We have to feel the pain of that failure. We don't, we don't like feeling bad. I get that. None of us want to feel bad. That's not fun. But grief can be a very healthy thing for a season in our lives. God wired us that way. Grief is the way we get through a failure. Grief is the way we learn the lessons of the failures. So often we, we fail. We just want to forget it, push it aside, stuff our emotions down, and immediately go on to the next thing. Look at verse 75. And Peter remembered the word of Jesus who said to him, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So he went out and wept bitterly. Now, just imagine how disappointed Peter must have been in himself. I, I believe that he had every confidence that he would not stumble that night, that he would not fail Jesus that night. He believed that. And within hours, he didn't only fail him once or twice, three times. He did exactly what Jesus said he would do. I mean, he... Peter had watched Jesus heal people. He believed he was the Messiah. He believed he was the son of God. This isn't a matter of Peter's belief. It wasn't a matter of did he believe and, and hear the greatest teacher and the lessons in the world spoken in the flesh. Yeah, Peter was there. He knew him. And yet he still denied Jesus. Can you imagine Peter walking out and thinking, oh my, what just happened? I was trusting my own strength. I I cared more about what they thought than what my Savior thought. I spoke things I shouldn't have said. So here's the problem. If we do not go through the grief, then we don't learn what God wants us to learn from the failure. When we don't learn what we need to learn, then we keep experiencing the same failures over and over and over again. A couple of weeks ago, we sang the song, I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. This is what we're talking about. Understanding the deeper pain that causes us to give in. Understanding the mercy of God does not allow me to overestimate my strength. Understanding a true understanding, a true grasp, uh, uh, just uh, wrapping myself up and, and, and understanding the mercy of God does not allow me to speak when I shouldn't speak. And it certainly doesn't allow me to live for the approval of other people. The mercy of God can do that in our lives of understanding this, this undeserved forgiveness that we have from the, the God of creation the unearned kindness that he pours out on us every day, grabbing a hold of that can change our lives. Let me say that differently. It should change our lives. The mercy of God. Yes, Peter failed, but God's mercy forgave him. Yes, Peter failed, but God showed him kindness because of his mercy. And the same is true for us. So Peter grieved. He grieved. The first thing he did right, he grieved over the sin. He grieved over what had just happened. His massive failure for God. And the second thing he did right was this. He accepted God's mercy. That's what Peter did. And this is huge. We know Peter did this because God had Peter write two books in the New Testament. First and second Peter. 
And as the Holy Spirit moved Peter to write uh, the first book, 1 Peter, it only took three verses in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3 for Peter, who this is later on, right? The, the massive failures happened and, and Jesus later on has been resurrected. And now, now Peter's a champion for the cause of Christ. And God has him write this book in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. He said, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy, not just his mercy, but his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Peter had this, this massive failure in his life. But he's not walking around in despair. He, he's not going around in condemnation. He's not carrying this burden of guilt in his life because of his failure. He's not walking around in shame or regret. He's not timid thinking God could never use me. No, he's walking around sharing the hope of this God who has poured out his abundant mercy on the likes of me, of Peter, of failure. He, he's promoting this message on the mercy, and not just the mercy, but the abundant mercy of God. His, his life is filled with hope. Why? Because of God's mercy. Maybe, maybe you're listening today, and you think, well, that was fine for Peter. That worked for Peter. But I just don't know that God truly forgives me for the things I've done. Maybe you're listening today and you're thinking whether you're, you're a kid in our faith kids ministry or a teenager or an adult. And the thought running through your head right now is that mercy of God stuff. That's good for everybody else, but you don't know what I've done, Robbie. You don't know where I've been. You don't know who I've hurt. You don't know how long I've been this way. Well, I, I understand this, that Satan will use that in your life. That lie, you'll begin to believe it. You may think you've thumbed your, thumbed your nose at God for too long. You've put God off for too long. You've, you've said ugly things about God, and now God wants to show you mercy. You may be sitting there thinking you've had opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to, to take a stand for God, to live for him, to love him, to serve him, and you've just, it just hadn't happened, so there's no hope for you. You're missing the mercy of God. God's mercy is undeserved forgiveness. You don't deserve it. No doubt about it. I don't deserve it. None of us deserve God's mercy, his undeserved forgiveness. None of us. And we certainly don't deserve his unearned kindness. But yet that's the God he is. He knows we don't deserve it. But because of his love for you and for me, for us, he pours out this abundant mercy on us. He forgives us. He shows kindness to us. So write this down. We are all more than the worst thing we've ever done. We are all more than the worst thing we have ever done. Now don't quote me on that because that comes from the movie, Just Mercy. Okay, I'm just acknowledging that, Joe Miller. You know, don't put that as a quote from, from me. You can put it on there, but don't, don't put it down as mine. I, we were watching that movie, and, and I watched the other day, and man, that really stood out to me on, on mercy, right? We are all more than the worst thing we have ever done. Peter handled his failure by grieving over it, and then he accepted God's mercy 
and his forgiveness for that failure. His God's mercy to cover it. So Peter failed. We fail. Peter responded to that failure. We need to respond to the failure. But how does Jesus respond to our failures? Well, I want you to know this today. He's not shocked by them. It doesn't shock him. In Luke's account of, of Matthew 26, uh, he includes in his account in verse, uh, chapter 22 and verse 61, and it says, And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Can you imagine? Put yourself there. Peter said, I won't stumble. I'll, I'll never deny you. Everybody else may, but I won't. And then after the third time he denied being a disciple of Jesus, the rooster crowed. and Jesus turned and looked at him. Now, I know this about God. And when we're talking about God's mercy, I do not believe Jesus looked at him with a disappointing look. I just can't believe that. I don't believe that Jesus looked at him with the look of, I told you so. That's not who he is. I believe Jesus looked at Peter. He turned and looked at him with a look of compassion. With a look of mercy. Because that's who he is. Jesus wasn't shocked by Peter's failure. He told him he would do it. And he's not shocked by yours. And he's not shocked by mine. He isn't shocked by anything. Nothing catches him by surprise. He's God. He's sovereign. He knows. Good or bad, whatever we've done, God knows and he's not shocked by it. So know that today. And then know this. Jesus believes in us. In fact, Jesus believes in us more than we believe in ourselves. Jesus believes in us more than our, our spouse or our kids or our parents or that teacher or coach or that influence in our lives that we look up to that, that we would say, man, that person believes in me. Jesus believes in us so much more than that. I love that Jesus told Peter before his big failure. And this is going to be on your, the screen here in Luke twenty two thirty two. 32. Jesus said, but I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. Get what he said there. Jesus didn't say, Peter, if you come back after this failure, Peter, if you're able to overcome this. No, Jesus said, I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, Jesus believed that Peter would return to him. Even though he have this massive failure, he's denying him three times. He's going to go out and grieve. Eventually, he's going to accept the mercy of God. And then Peter is going to allow himself to learn from that failure and go on and do great things for God because Jesus believed in him. And he believes in you and he believes in me. Proverbs 20, 16. For a righteous man may fall seven times and rise again. Say it again. Say it with me on there. For a righteous man may fall seven times and rise again. It says, even good people screw up. Even righteous people fail. We make mistakes. Sometimes God uh, knows that we're going to make dumb decisions. Sometimes we all make dumb decisions. Even God's people, even believers in Christ fail. But know this. Jesus believes in us more than anyone else. 
See, the mercy of God forgives us. The mercy of God shows us kindness. God's mercy is bigger than any failure we've ever committed or we ever will commit. God's mercy, it doesn't even come close. It's not even a, a contest. God's mercy is so forgiving and so big and it's so kind and he pours it out on us, not because we've earned it, not because we deserve it, but because of his great love for us. He loves us so much. So let me ask you, let's say you had just gone through the worst day of your life. Like Jesus did here in the flesh. Those that you were closest to, a situation comes up and they have a choice to either stand by you or to turn and walk away. And everybody in your life, everybody you love, everybody you have a relationship with, turns and walks away. They leave. Matter of fact, some of them are asked, hey, aren't you their friend? Don't you have a relationship with them? And they all say, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know them. They completely disassociate themselves with you. How would you respond to them? I know how I would be tempted to. I'd write them off. I mean, forget you guys. When I needed you most, you walked away from me. That's exactly what happened to Jesus that night. It's exactly what happened to him. Would we even remotely at that moment even have a, an inkling of forgiveness in us? Of going, well, it's okay, they all walked away. Or, or to show them some kind of mercy or to extend that to them. I, I would have a difficult time. But not our God. Peter massively failed Jesus that night. No doubt about it. And as soon as he did, Jesus looked at him with love and compassion and mercy. Because that's who God is. God's mercy toward us is not dependent on our performance. It's based on his love. We need to see it through that lens. We don't earn it. It's not deserved. It's just because he loves us. So we need to accept it. So here's what I want you to do. Wherever you are, if you're by yourself, if you're with your family, I want to take some time right now as, as believers in Christ and pray. If you're together with your family or there's more than one gathered with you where you are, I just want one of you to, to take a moment and, and pray and just acknowledge to God that we fail and that his mercy is there for each and every one of us, to, for us to accept it, to not live in condemnation, to not live with guilt, but to live in the freedom of his abundant mercy as Peter did later on. And if you're by yourself, you just take a moment right now and, and pray. Talk to God. Acknowledge, God, I, I, I love you. Thank you for this undeserved forgiveness and unearned kindness, your mercy that you show. I just want to give us time right now, wherever you are, to have a time of prayer. Father, we come and thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your undeserved forgiveness and your unearned kindness that you shower on us every day. It's, it's more than abundant to cover our failures, to cover our sin. 
So God, we come today and just thank you for loving us so much. May we reciprocate that love back best we can. To accept, to, to, to grieve over sin in our lives, to, to let it change us and to, to accept your mercy and, and not to stay caught in a sin, not to stay caught in a lifestyle that's displeasing to you, but to, to truly grieve that in our lives because it is a failure against you to you. It's a slap in your face. God, may we let mercy change us to be more like Jesus. For every man that's listening, every woman, every student, every child, when people think about us and talk about us, may they say, oh, they're not perfect. Man, they show me mercy. They show me love. You know, they're kind of like Jesus. Let that be said about us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I'd be remiss in not challenging you. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you admit that you're a sinner and that Jesus came and died for your sins. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You've never personally committed your life and Jesus' payment for your sin. You never accepted that. Well, the Bible says, if we'll confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we'll be saved. Saved from what? Saved from our sin. We'll begin this relationship with the Heavenly Father that ultimately one day will take us to heaven and spend eternity with him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So I encourage you, if you've never done that in your life and you would like to do that or need help doing that or you want to pray that prayer and just do that and let us know about it. Then once again, get out your phone and text 68878 and put the name Jesus in there because there's power in that name. And we will follow up with you and help you any way we can. Thank you for watching today. God bless you. Let's receive God's mercy and extend it to those around us.